legalizefreedom.com. Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? From the nature of reality to the future of humanity. Listen without limits. Unchain your brain. Change your thinking. Change your life. LegalizeFreedom.com Greetings and welcome once again to LegalizeFreedom.com. I'm your host, Greg Moffat, and my guest today is Stephen Murphy, who joins us to discuss the film 32 Counties, A Quest for Hope in a Time of Darkness. In the winter of 2021, three artists, Aidan Killian, comedian, Tiernan O'Rourke, musician, and Stephen Murphy, poet, came together as brothers and set out on a quest to call in the intentions of love healing and freedom to the land of Era. Over the course of 32 days, they planted 32 flags on 32 mountains in the 32 counties of the sacred island of Ireland. The flag they chose was not the trickler of contemporary usage, but the ancient flag of the Irish Citizens Army, immortalized as the flag referred to in the opening words of the 1916 proclamation. In the name of God and of the dead generations from which she receives her old tradition of nationhood, Ireland, through us, summons her children to her flag and strikes for her freedom. Aidan, Tiernan, Stephen, this is their story. Love, not fear. Healing, not sickness. Truth, not lies. Freedom not enslavement. Hello and welcome, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us today on LegalizeFreedom.com. Hello, Greg. How are we getting on? It's a pleasure to talk to you today. I've just come off watching a film uh, that you and some friends, colleagues put together called 32 Counties. That's kind of informally subtitled A Quest for Hope in a Time of Darkness. We're going to be talking about everything that led up to the film, the process of making it, um, the response to that, so many things about the recent times we've been living through. And I think more importantly, you know, the future, what we can learn from the past going forward. Um, before we get started, just tell listeners a little bit about, there's, there's, there's you and two others, there's uh, Aidan and uh, Tiernan who are the kind of the, the main figures behind this. Just give us a little bit of information about yourselves and then how this project came into being. Yeah, no bother. Um, well, I I... A poet by trade, which is a random random enough thing to say, but I've been at it most of my adult life. And um, but in back in, she's we started this in twenty twenty one, and Aidan Killian is a comedian, and Tiernan O'Rourke is a phenomenal piano player, um, incredible musician. So myself and the boys, I called around to Tiernan's house just one 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 afternoon for tea, and Aidan was landed on, and um. And whatever it was, we're kind of going, look, we have to do something. What are we going to do? Because at the time, we weren't allowed to gig. We weren't allowed to work because we were being told that we weren't, what we did wasn't essential enough. 
for the world around us during the during the lockdowns back in the COVID years, you know, back in the wilderness years. And um, so we're sitting around just drinking tea. And um, we got this idea from somewhere. Tiernan had climbed a mountain before and we were going up with the, with another friend of ours, the woodcarver, Sam, Sam Brett. Uh, we were going up a mountain the next day with him. And we got this idea to climb 32 mountains in 32 days um, to give ourselves hope, but also to kind of bring back a sense of hope to the wider island of Ireland around us. And um, yeah, that's pretty much where it, where it arrived from. And within an hour, we had the list of the mountains drawn out the whole lot and um, and a kind of half a plan in place just to give ourselves something to do at a time where we were just going, well, what do we do with ourselves? You know, having dedicated our lives to artistic pursuits and before the lockdowns, before the COVID years, we were making a, making a living from our craft. And then we were just told that we weren't allowed do what we do anymore you know so yeah what a, like a an amazing sort of inspiring project to take on at any time never mind during you know the the pandemic period and even if you'd never filmed or documented any of it just as a thing to do as a human being it was incredible but it took on this whole other dimension didn't it of significance and symbolism given what the the background against which it happened uh, you know, two things really, as you said, creativity took a tremendous hit then, not only with the sidelining and effective banning of so much of the arts and culture, just saying we don't need this right now, we have to focus on essentials only. But as much as some people talked about uh, getting creative during COVID lockdowns, that might have been true for some people who oh, maybe learned a musical instrument because they didn't have to go to work anymore, et cetera, et cetera. But for a lot of people, it was very dispiriting. And um, I think a lot of creative people really did suffer in, 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 that, in that period. And the other dimension to it, of course, was just the, the pure physical expression of freedom in that, you know, don't go anywhere that's not essential. I mean, in the UK, I mean, we suffered certainly travel restrictions that were punitive, but some of those that were in the Republic of Ireland, now obviously for your project, you traveled all over the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, which is part of the United Kingdom. But some of the restrictions in travel in the Republic of Ireland seemed extreme, you know, like down to two, three, four miles from your base. So it represented so so much in terms of creativity and the spirit of freedom. Just the act of getting in vehicles and going all around the country uh, would have attracted the attracted the interest of the the authorities, shall we say? Yeah, it would have. Um, at the time, the the distance lockdowns, I don't think they were in place at the time, but but still the fact that they ever were is just madness, really, telling somebody that you can't go more than two kilometers outside your comfort, outside your, outside your comfort zone, outside your, outside your home, you know? Um, it's, it's, well, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any other term for it other than fascism to impose that level of, and restrictions on on people is you know insanity really but you know you mentioned earlier in terms of the on creatives and stuff like how hard the lockdowns were and i remember like a very very dear friend of mine and um, was murdered by lockdown um, and this man had been on the main stage at like the main festival in ireland he'd toured the world he'd been residency in new york a dear friend of mine called gar kane and the last time i saw him alive we were gigging together and in front of a couple of thousand people um in january 2020 and in october 2020 he was dead because he didn't have that creative outlet anymore 
and he went down the COVID rabbit hole and he couldn't see the light from the darkness. And I remember going over, and this is, you know, this is pretty, pretty dark, sorry, but um, I remember going over, it was level five lockdown at the time, so nobody was allowed to go anywhere. And I, I'm just so proud of his wife for having the bravery to have a wake for him. And I couldn't tell my mother that I was going to, but I was going to have to go and say goodbye to him. I had to go to his funeral, you know. But my mother would be terrified if I told her that I was traveling over to Dublin um, to go to my friend's funeral, which is, again, crazy, really. I remember picking up his young fella and and saying, you know, how old are you now? And he said, I'm six. And it just broke my heart because he was the same age as my own young fella. And I'm going, he went so far down the rabbit hole in the COVID, in the COVID stuff that he left three young boys after him. And those young boys now that are growing up without, without their dad, because he was the one that was ringing me, telling me about, you know, all the different kind of bits and pieces that we all know in terms of the, the lab in Wuhan and, you know, you're one writing the article about it being in the wet market and all these things. But way back in March 2020, he was the one ringing me, telling me about them. And um, when I, like, I, I had been in hospital with what I believed to have been COVID, you know, I know, I know quite a lot of deniers and stuff. I'm not one of them. I just think it was cooked up in a lab for a totalitarian agenda. But that's a different story altogether, <laughs> you know. But he went so far down the rabbit hole that it killed him. And to what end, you know? To what end? As in how much of how much of the world can we take on that we that is safe for us? And I just kind of arrived at a place where we have to mind our own minds. And in terms of the mountain thing, Greg, going up those mountains was a way, and we mentioned in the documentary, it's a way to rise to, to rise above, you know, the madness of the times, to get away from all that, to get away from the noise, the being blinded by information at every turn, being told, you know, the, the the militant divisions between people, the polarization, the fundamentalism that was so rife, whether pro or anti, whatever it happens to be. And it's still it's still ongoing, you know, all these divisions are just pumped at us all the time. And it's actually just creating such a chasm within society that I think, you know, we need we actually need to kind of step back from maybe the machine and the binary nature you're either this or you're that and kind of step back and go okay well where are we going here as a, as a collective as a species where are we going here as far as i can see with you know with even half an eye open it's not pretty like no you mentioned what happened to your friend and leaving behind those children and and for what i mean you talked about him taking the weight of the world on his shoulders in some ways but in terms of those who would have maybe not as his death but who would have said quite right stay home you know quite right don't do this quite right don't do that you know it's for the it's for the greater good you know granny killer ultimately looking back what what for what are those children without a father for where, you know work point to the gain if, if you know if you can but you can't you really can't no. there's a scene in um we talk about someone that i knew not well but worked with many people who worked with this guy there's a scene you may have seen the film of uh, Escape from Alcatraz with um, uh, Clint Eastwood. I think many years ago, I can actually yeah. remember it offhand. Well, you know, a lot of people listening might remember this scene, but there's this absolutely sadistic prison governor in that film played by Patrick McGowan, who just seems to be out to torment and punish. I mean, that's a maximum security prison. Okay, we get that. But he seems to be going above and beyond the call of duty to torment and persecute the prisoners. Mm. 
some of whom who've found themselves there just as a re- result of um, you know bad decisions, okay, but they're not necessarily bad people. And there's one scene where there's a guy who's he's, he's his art really is how he keeps himself sane in prison. He's in there for life, and he has oil paints and canvases and brushes. And these are privileges granted to some prisoners. Other prisoners do different things, you know, in the workshop yeah. and just thing, you know, access to books. It's not a death camp, you know, so they have to have some human uh, life, as it were, some semblance of life. But at one point, the without justification, but just persecuting this guy, the prison governor has this guy's paints and canvases taken away from him. And he said, this is all I've got. You can't take that away from me. I don't have anything else. That's all I'm alive for. And I remove them and they're taken away. And so he he finds himself in a woodworking uh, shop. You know, they, they, they create little items out of wood, ashtrays, who knows what the hell, you know, to be, yeah. sold, to be sold on. Again, it's something for them to do. And this guy says, paint's taken away. He a- asks for... You have, to, you have to request tools when you're in the workshop. You know, you don't, you don't just get them. You, one of the prison guards will get whatever tools you need. So he asks for a hatchet uh, to cut a piece of wood that he's working on. And he then gets the attention of the head prison guard who's in the workshop at the time. And he says his name. And, he, and so he gets his attention. And then he slowly raises the hatchet above the workshop table and brings it down on his hand that he paints with and severs all of his fingers on that hand. And that's right. his, that's his comment on what has been done to him. I'll never paint again. And I mention all of this because there was someone that, again, I know this person I referred to who prior to all of the COVID psychosis worked with his hands. He was a fine craftsman. I even even like welling up, even thinking about this, that he worked with his hands. He was only a young man, but he had a bright future. He had he, skills almost no one in the world has. And one of the things he could do was woodworking without anyone else knowing. Um, he, he was found dead. He hanged himself because he just couldn't see a way out of this pit that he was in, unable to work, unable to express himself. Yeah. And it was discovered that bit by bit, in his apartment, using his woodworking skills, he constructed gallows. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I just sorry again, you know, if it's dark and disturbing, but no, no, the, no these no. are these are stories I think that that didn't Shoot. didn't really get told about that whole time. Yeah, well exactly. Those those are the numbers that aren't gonna make the news. You know? And for me, like I, I have this piece that um, got a bit of traction online years ago, but it doesn't doesn't matter in terms of the numbers of online hits or whatever. It's nice that it connects with people, but it's a poem called "Before You Push the Chair" about the suicide epidemic, and I wrote that back in 2016, before the COVID years, before people were actually forced back into it, before they were forced to be in their own homes. And there was already an epidemic of suicide at that point where people, it's not, the problem wasn't, wasn't, wasn't mental health. The problem was societal illness. You know, we benchmark mental health on how well people adapt to a fundamentally sick society and then medicate them when they don't. 
and that's pretty much the that's pretty much the societal approach to how we how we deal with where we're at in terms of our you know subjective realities within the mind and a lot of people are struggling and the amount of people that particularly young men that fall into despondency or maybe because you know I'm reasonably young man myself they felt that they could reach out to me because they felt that I was speaking their truth the amount of young men that that, that reached out to me like privately via my Facebook page who just kind of who didn't see anywhere else to go and so many people were so lost it's it, it's actually incredible you know and and a lot of them you know the who who can't talk about it in in a public sphere and you know they they look at me and they go oh you know well that's that takes a great courage to be able to talk about you know str- struggling because the stigma is so real you know but i'm going actually no it it doesn't like i i don't see myself being in a place of vulnerability like i'm not a victim I'm actually quite strong because I'm able to look within myself and go, okay, actually now I'm in a good space. But before I wasn't the poem, like it might be called before you push the chair, but it's not about depression. It's about addressing societal illness and saying anybody with even one eye open, how would you not be depressed about the state of the world? And that was before COVID and and then COVID lands on. And it's, it's just another whole level of, yeah, insanity. Well, before we went on air, so to speak, you were commenting on on 32 counties being uplifting, and it really is, and it's an inspirational, I would say. So, Yeah, Jesus, we, we, we went fairly dark in it there, sorry. <laughs> exactly, no, no I'm, I'm kind of going to just say, listeners, stick with us, because this is ultimately a story of, it's more than hope, it's actually the realisation of that, you know, of the positivity, uh, and what, you know, what we're, what we're capable of, how we can rise above all this, literally and figuratively but um yeah. a lot of people talked at the time about uh, the lockdown quote-unquote benefits whether that was um uh, clearer running streams uh, returning wildlife um how people had time to think more about um you know where they were going in life and priorities and then people baking bread and you know learning to play the you know the lutes or whatever no yeah learning there, new things yeah. yeah there is there is truth to that but two things i would say one i hated the whole bloody thing from start to finish i didn't talk about it very much i just got on with it you know with my life uh doing what i was doing i realized it was important to not let you know that this i was not going to allow them to steal my life okay but i absolutely yeah. hated it so for people i'd hear them saying oh well you know it was wonderful i wish we could go back to it in a way and i'd say well the suicide rates were off the charts and they were like oh oh i know i know but do you know what i mean and I said, well, look, all of these supposed benefits <laughs> of lockdown, they are available to us all the time. You know, if you want to spend time in nature, spend more time with your loved ones, uh, learn the lute or the harp or any other bloody you thing. Can, you can, yeah, you can that, do that yeah, anytime so, you want. Now, lockdown may have illustrated that to some people, brought that home. But a lot of that's been forgotten as well. So my response to the people who were saying, oh, blah, 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 you know, it was the positives. OK, but at what cost? You know? Yeah. Yeah, and there, uh, there's there's another piece I do called Hold Tight, which was actually written uh, back in October 2020 when when McLean took his own life. And um, there's a line just there's a line in that when you mention it, it's like going, and I get people saying stay safe and stay home, but what about people who aren't safe alone? And like you say, 
those so like like you were saying there so those those are the stories that that don't really make the news and it was beneficial for people because it did kind of bring people back to themselves and kind of get people you know growing their gardens again but as as soon as the world opened up they went back to that age of convenience they went back to that like i remember I think they, you know, the drive through McDonald's or something, there was like, you know, fights outside it in Dublin because the drive through McDonald's opened again after lockdown and there was like three mile tailbacks down the road trying to just trying to get into McDonald's, which, you know, you probably shouldn't go to when all is going well. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind any other time. Like, but, well, um, maybe people should have used lockdown to learn how to hand make a really good burger because it's, it's, it's not difficult you know no 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 it's 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 not it's not difficult but i it i think i think it's kind of people were just so thrilled by the novelty of being able to go to the drive through again being able to go for that you know that that it, that dirty habit that kind of you know that that kind of they they well what's the, what's the term that i'm looking for is kind of the guilty pleasure that's the one you know yeah of course but they're they're on a on a deeper level they're there is something about uh, what people find meaning in, and for some people, in in sort of in a meaningless or a world that they're told is meaningless, they, they find a sort of a pseudo meaning or a substitute for meaning in things like shopping and you know and, and eating out and just that sort of. That- oh, absolutely, absolutely! Like the idea, the idea of retail therapy, the idea of filling filling the void with nothing. You know, we live in a kind of a you know, it goes back to the idea of Nietzsche and the God is dead thing. And it's going, we live in a kind of a godless um, world now. Or, you know, we not not necessarily, and this is kind of part of the documentary as well, but it's kind of reclaiming that because it was a pilgrimage as much as anything. But in terms, certainly in terms of Ireland, you know, we went from being a very Catholic place to then the, the reports of the abuse came out and then an entire generation turned away from the church whether rightly or wrongly, but we we threw the baby out with the bathwater in terms of throwing God out with organized religion. And in 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 that void, we replaced that. We replace that all the time these days with like we we de- the deification of celebrities. And we build them up just to knock them down again. And it's kind of this this kind of false icons and false gods and even the idea of materialism is another is another form of false god that we just kind of try and fill the void of meaning with, even though it doesn't actually work. Probably around the time that you were seeing the coverage of uh, the queues from McDonald's drive-through, uh, the local equivalent here was that the biggest IKEA uh, superstore. For those listeners overseas who don't know what that is, IKEA is a Swedish uh, furniture and kind of home items make things pretty much for every home uh, room in the house flat, flat pack furniture yeah, yeah yeah exactly uh but they have a big superstore outside um leeds in west yorkshire just one of the big cities in the region here and the news had uh aerial drone footage of the first day that ikea superstore opened and the car park was completely full there was a queue like several miles and there was something there was a physical queue to get into the building because of course they still had so-called social or i prefer to say anti-social distancing within the store so long story short there was something like a two-hour wait two hours standing outside ikea with your trolley and before you could actually go in 
and and people people were just gleefully doing that and it was exactly like um dawn of the dead the george romero zombie film uh satirizing consumer culture and materialism where um all these the undead zombies show up at the shopping mall and lay siege to it and one of yeah. the one of the remaining humans besieged inside is saying something like oh they come here they don't really know why it's just a memory of something significant from the past you know they knew this place was important to them <laughs> you know it was like that well it's it's kind of um you know i was saying this uh just the other day actually but it's going in terms of the covid idea it's like take away people's civil liberties and they'll be fine but take away their if you if you try to take away their iphones to be riots in the street so again it's the kind of placation of people as well you know and you mentioned like the ikea or the mcdonald's or the material culture but it's just kind of this this kind of age of distraction that we're living in that we're looking so long as we're distracted you know it's the the, the bread and circuses yeah I, you know that the, the same idea it's like even when during the lockdown when they brought back sport for example and you're going all right so art isn't essential but sport is so we're not allowed to perform and do our job, but it's okay for people to play football because that's an essential service. And it's going, it's essential because it provided a distraction for people, you know? And it's that, it's the same thing when they kind of told us, it's going, oh, don't worry about it. You know, we're all connected. We're all, it's fine. You know, we can, we, you know, it, there's a, the irony somewhere that we're, we're on a Zoom call at the minute. But um, it's going, oh, we're all connected. At a time when we've never been less connected, like to my mind, the the great epidemic of our time, you know, pandemic, whatever whatever term you want to put on it, is loneliness. Is that we've never been less connected, and we're being sold this kind of Orwellian double speak of connectivity. And I get I get that the internet is a wonderful tool. I understand that it is when we hold it in its when we hold it right and when we use it right. But it can also it's it's. Yeah, we've never. I don't know. There's just such an such a massive, massive problem of loneliness, and not just old people, but people all across the spectrum that um, are suffering from this because we've never been kind of pushed further away from each other. Yeah, and that, as you say, that was in train before uh, COVID, uh, but it's just continued ever since. It was exacerbated dramatically, of course, during that time. You had you mentioned Orwell and the double speak. Um, <laughs> I one particularly right. memorable image was of the Australian premier doing a tv news news conference and behind him you know one of many slogans and politicians were all doing this he had slogans everywhere as they always do mm. but the australian one was that staying apart uh keeps us together you know and it was just <laughs> it was just like, yeah, 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 yeah i see how that works yeah thank you for that you know um, yeah 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 so, yeah and 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 this idea of the you know build back better where they're all kind of just using the exact same slogan and you're going, ah, lads, you know, stop. Yeah, and it's yeah. Anyway, any anybody with again with with an eye or two open can see it. But it's amazing how people say in their own homes who are used to kind of listening to the same news for their whole lifetime, you know, get into that habit and actually trust what's being said to them without actually questioning any of the narratives. And you know, it kind of part of me is kind of envious of of them to have that level of belief in one particular <laughs> yeah, in, in one particular narrative. Does that make any sense? I don't know. 
I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And uh, the Matrix um, is kind of a worn out cultural item to use for references now, but I can't help coming back to it sometimes. If we were all in the Matrix, I have to say I'd probably be one of the guys outside the Matrix in one of the pods eating that grey gruel and just going, well, this is a bit shit, but we're fight for freedom. And maybe yeah. maybe some of us would become like the guy, you know, who betrays them and says, and he, he's talking to the the men in black characters, and he's just saying, just plug me back into the matrix, and I'll sell <laughs> I'll sell out my bodies. It actually reminds me of um, sorry, I'm a bit dulster, but um, it reminds me of what what a friend of mine said to me once. She said, uh, you know, sometimes the steak tastes nice. And it's your your man just quoting your man from the Matrix again, like you're going, yeah, where yeah. where he's just where he's just there going, yeah, the steak tastes nice. So you know you can you can understand that, but you know what? What I think is a better cultural reference than the Matrix these days, and I only watched it lately again for the first time in ages, and I just think it's a, it's an absolute masterpiece. Is the Truman Show? I think it's just utterly incredible with Jim Carrey in it. I don't know, I presume you've seen it, but I don't know the last time you've, you've watched it. Not for uh, a while. I'm certainly not, I mean, probably not really since it came out, to be honest. It's it's really, really worth sitting down with again and actually just, just watching. And um, you, you can you can thank me later because it's just, it's just class. Um, and I only watched it, I don't know why I got struck by this idea of watching it again. But I only watched it there a couple of weeks ago again, and I'm going, actually, that's brilliant, because that's pretty much exactly what we're living through, where, you know, entire, where entire lifetimes from, you know, people are putting the very first moments of their children on the internet, and everything is being documented and is being live streamed to this ever-increasing kind of audience. And their entire, their child is growing up in public to an audience that they don't even know that they're being streamed to. And that's the premise of the Truman Show. But yeah, at I least mean, it's, and that's, that's what we're living through on a kind of a, on a social level. And people are kind of so concerned about their online reputations and their online this and their online that, that they're, they're, they're spending more time trying to pretend to be somebody online than they are actually being somebody offline. It's dark. It really is. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, my formative years, pre-teens and teens, the long before the internet, the advent of the internet, the, the question was always like, or the doubt was always about, say, television. It was like, is this real? You know, can we really trust what's on television? But now it's almost like, well, if it doesn't happen on Facebook, if it doesn't happen on YouTube, then it didn't happen, which is really strange. Mm. You know, it's a strange inversion of values. It is. It's, an, it's a total inversion of values. Like when I was growing up, if somebody started to follow you, you would be more inclined to call the guards than to follow them back. But now that's just like, <laughs> you know, that, there, there, there's your Twitter. It's like if you don't follow somebody back, it's kind of considered rude now, you know. Whereas, and if if when at Facebook, you know, if somebody was looking at what you were doing without kind of you know without making their presence known, I thought that was always called voyeurism, though. Yeah, well, and, they, now, they, and, they, and, and now it's called now it's called social media. You're going, hang on a minute. There's something quite, <laughs> yeah, like you say, the inversions that there's, um, you kind of have to laugh at us in in some mad way. 
Well, let's uh, now talk about the at the advent of, of the film project of 32 uh, counties. You spoke earlier about this this mad plan that you came up for of like erecting 32 flags in 32 of the highest points, hilltops, mountaintops in Ireland, uh, you know, in all the counties, as the name suggests. As I said, I watched the film just last night and it was visually, it was just ravishing. I loved the music and the message of it. And it really, it, it made me want to go out and plant a flag myself, real or metaphorical. Um, Do it. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it was just really interesting to watch you guys and how you all, um, how the thing unfolded as this idea on a, on paper, you know, between yourselves and, and what, how the reality was and how much more it seemed to be really than you could ever have imagined. So how did you get the, you know, how long did it take to get the resources together? I know it was obviously didn't take too much on that front, but you still had to say, okay, we've all got to have the time to do this. We, you know, we're going to do it in this order. I mean, logistics, just, you know, how long it took you to get it all together? Well, I, I think that the time, for example, wasn't um, wasn't an issue um, because we weren't allowed work anyway in the jobs that we were doing, you know. So um, we we pretty much planned it in mid October, and then we we said we would start on November the first, and uh, we did we did the first kind of climb with Sam Brett, who's a woodcarver and Shanaki, um, a storyteller for a year. Uh, international audience um, and we did that in Sligo with him and we planted kind of the first flag there but officially the um, the climb started then in November and what we were doing is we were going up the mountains with eight foot scaffolding poles and then another eight foot of rebar the flexible you know steel poles and we were attaching one to the other in the male and the female and then we were tying the flag to the to the end but we were putting the, the the scaffolding poles, the the steel frame of the flag, into these points, into these high points, these energetic high points in around the island of Ireland, as acupuncture points, as acupuncture needles in the land, because Ireland is is known as Era. The island, the island is known as Era, which is kind of goes back to a kind of matriarchal. Um, lineage where it would be known as the female form but in shamanic circles Ireland is also known as as the sacred heart of the world and the idea goes like from you know I was having this chat many years ago with a friend of mine called Brendan Brendan Lynch and but the idea goes that if you can light up Ireland that the world will follow and what's been really interesting is that since the documentary came out on the 16th of June on Bloomsday, actually. Um, the idea that we had, and if you watch the documentary, Aidan actually talks about it in it. He goes, I don't know if that thing works, the idea of planting these poles to attract lightning back to Earth, to light up to light up the Earth again. But every day for a solid month since we, since we launched the documentary, which we had been calling amongst ourselves the final mountain, every day for a month, Bizarrely, there have been thunder and lightning on the island of Ireland since the documentary went up. That concludes part one of our interview. Part two will be available soon in the subscribers area at legalizefreedom.com. Legalizefreedom.com.